want to do a, a study that I like to do these all along, and, and uh, this is a song everybody knows. All of our children uh, know it. We learned it, uh, most of us, I'm sure, as children. And sometimes we just kind of relegate it to, well, that's a children's song. That's just a child's song, and, and maybe we hadn't really thought enough about it. But this has come to be one of my favorite songs because as I studied it and looked into it, it really has a lot of meaning to these verses that we just sing them as children and we, you know, we do it for the benefit of the children often. But I, I think we are maybe doing a disservice to this song. There are a lot of interesting stories behind the songs that we have. A lot of them were motivated um, by, and I didn't mean to go, to go there, um, I'm not sure why I'm not getting what else is supposed to be on here. Hmm. Okay, well, anyway, what's supposed to be up there is a picture of the lady who wrote this song. And I want to read you the, the story that goes with this song. I think they're interesting. Some, some are more interesting than others. We have some very powerful stories behind some of our songs. But this song um, was written uh, by Anna and Susan Warner. Well, Anna and Susan Warner lived in a lovely townhouse in New York City where their father, Henry Whiting Warner, was a successful lawyer. But the Panic of 1837 wrecked the family's finances, forcing them to move into a ramshackle Revolutionary War era home on Constitution Island on the Hudson, right across from the Military Academy at West Point. Needing to contribute to the family income, Anna and Susan began writing poems and stories for publication. Anna wrote Robinson Crusoe's Farmyard, and Susan wrote The Wide, Wide World. The girls thus launched parallel uh, literary careers, which resulted in 106 publications, 18 of them co-authored. One of their most successful joint projects was a novel titled Say and Seal, in which a little boy named Johnny Fox is dying. His Sunday school teacher, John Linden, comforts him by taking him in his arms, rocking him, and making up a little song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The novel became a bestseller, second only to Uncle Tom's Cabin. And when hymn writer William Bradbury read the words of John Linden's little song written by Anna, he composed a childlike musical score to go along with them. Jesus Loves Me soon became the best-known children's hymn on earth. Despite their success, the Warner sisters never seemed able to recover from the staggering financial reverses of 1836. Years later, a friend wrote, One day, when sitting with Miss Anna in the old living room, she took from one of the cases a shell so delicate that it looked like lace work, and holding it in her hand, with eyes dim with tears, she said, There was a time when I was very perplexed. Bills were unpaid, necessities must be had, and someone sent me this exquisite thing. As I held it, I realized that if God could make this beautiful home for a little creature, He would take care of me. 
For 40 years, Susan and Anna conducted Bible classes for cadets at West Point, and both were buried with full military honors. They are the only civilians buried in the military cemetery at West Point. To this day, their home on Constitution Island is maintained by West Point as a museum to their memory. So they led quite an interesting life and certainly have left us with a wonderful song. And so as we think about this song, we know the words. We just sang this, this one, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. So as you think about that, is there any doubt that Jesus loves you? I mean, there just can be no doubt. Jesus loves me, this I know. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. There are a lot of people who need to know that they're loved. There are a lot of people who don't think they're loved. There are a lot of people who don't think they are deserving of love. But Jesus loves me, this I know. So in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He said, don't have any doubts about how much God, Jesus, loves you. In fact, there's no way to even measure it. But he says, try to comprehend with all the saints, what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. So here, this little childlike song really says what that passage is saying. Jesus loves me, this I know. In chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 2, he says, And walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now later the song is going to talk about that part too, about Jesus dying for us. But here again, we are reminded we walk in love just like Christ loved us. Jesus loves me, this I know. But how do I know it? Well, here it says, For the Bible tells me so. And we can believe, of course, every word that we find in Scripture. And so how do you know about His love? Well, again, the Bible tells me so. Let's go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. This is a point that this song makes several times. The Bible tells me so. That's why, of course, it's so important to encourage people. Read your Bible. Study your Bible. See what all God through Christ has done for you. But John, when he wrote his gospel, and John, you know, was the last of the four gospels to come out, and I'm persuaded that he really tried to focus on what the other three had not. 
But even when John was finishing, can you imagine the daunting task it must have been? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write about the greatest person who's ever set foot on the face of the earth. I'm going to write his story on earth. How do you decide? And John had some grand, I think, ways that he approached it, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But John determined he was going to reveal, for instance, seven of his I am statements and seven of his miracles, not all of them. And so when he gets toward the end of his book, he would say, oh, in verse uh, 30, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. So I didn't write everything I could have written, but these are written that you may believe. See, the Bible tells me so. That's how I know about Jesus' love. And then at the very end of His book, in chapter 21, and verse 24, This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that could be written. Amen. And so the apostle says, you know, I could just keep going and keep going about all the things that Jesus did. Like, there's just not enough books to write it all down. We have a song in our, our songbook, right? The love of God. The love of God is greater far than... Uh, and I, I can't remember all the words, but in the chorus of it talks about uh, if, if the ocean were ink and, and, and uh, you could, if the sky were parchments, that we just drain the ocean dry trying to write all the things about God's love for us through Christ. And so here John saying about the same thing. But the, the point is from, the, from the verse 30 and 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So Jesus loves me, this I know, well, the Bible tells me so. And then little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. I think it's fitting that a song about the love of Jesus would be a favorite children's song. Jesus loves me. This I know. Look at Mark chapter 10. Seems that in the Lord's day and time that children, um, they weren't quite, quite as, um, oh, I don't want to say the word, pampered, spoiled. I don't know. They didn't have the place in society that they have now. Uh, I can remember my mom talking about that when she was a child, they ate last. The grown-ups ate first. I don't know how it was in other places. But in Jesus' day, there would be people trying to bring children to it. And the disciples were like, oh, no, don't bother him with those kids. Well, Jesus didn't feel that way at all. Look at Mark chapter 10 and uh, verse, verse 13. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me. And do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Then he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. I'm 
convinced if Jesus were on this earth and you had a little child, you would love to, for Jesus to take that little child up in his arms and bless him. I don't know what that meant. I don't know what that did for the child. But surely if I had a little child and Jesus was there, I'd want him to do the same thing. Um, and, and I appreciate so much that the Lord said was greatly displeased with that. Let the children come because that nature, that childlike trust and, and uh, belief and faith is what we need even to enter the kingdom. So little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. That applies not just to the little children, but we are like those little, we are to be like those little children. And so Jesus loves me, he who died, heaven's gates to open wide. He will wash away my sins, let his little child come in. See, the extent of Jesus' love is shown by what he's accomplished for us. Jesus loves me, he who died. Think about what Jesus has done for us. He's, he's clearly shown us how much he loves us. He, he died for us. But notice what this verse is saying. Heaven's gate to open wide. What hope would any of us have if not for Jesus? Not one bit. Heaven's gate to open wide. Well, there's uh, discussion about that in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. Jesus accomplished many things when he died. And one of the things that he did was heaven's gates to open wide. Uh, Hebrews 10 and verse uh, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now think about what he's saying. Having boldness to enter the holiest. The old tabernacle, the old temple, was a type, a shadow of the church and of heaven itself. The, the holy place was representative of the church. The most holy place, God's throne room. The veil in between was that that separated the two. And to approach the, the most holy place with the ark and the mercy seat and all that was a very delicate thing. Not just anybody could do that. Heaven's gates to open wide. Let's keep reading. Having boldness, us, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The heaven's gates to open wide. Now we can have boldness as we approach God's throne. But notice, He will wash away my sins. Let His little child come in. Jesus washed away our sins when He shed His blood. Now look at Revelation chapter 1. Revelation 1 and verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us. Isn't that the song? Jesus loves me. This I know. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He will wash away my sins. Let his little child come in. 
Our sins are washed away by His blood when we are washed with water. That's what the Bible says. Let's look at a couple of other places. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 and verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. How, how do we draw near with a true heart and a full assurance of faith? Look, look what has, has been accomplished. Our bodies washed with pure water. Now, there are people who don't want to make any connection with that and being saved. Yet we're told Jesus washed away our sins with his own blood. And there we, our bodies are washed with pure water. And, and then you think about the Apostle Paul when he was still Saul here in Acts chapter 22. We contact the Lord's blood when he, that he shed for us that washes away our sins when we call on the name of the Lord. Say, so, well, when, when is it that we, in this context setting, when is it we called on the name of the Lord? Well, Acts chapter 22, Saul had been praying for three days. And if there ever was a time the sinner's prayer surely would have been invoked here, it would have been here. He'd been praying three days, wouldn't even eat or drink. Ananias gets there and he says, Why are you waiting? What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When is it that you will be saved? When your sins are washed away. What does that? The blood of Jesus. When does that happen? When our bodies are washed with pure water. Calling on the name of the Lord. Washing away your sins. So Jesus loves me. This I know. But this verse says, Jesus loves me. He who died heaven's gate to open wide. He will wash away my sins. Let his little child come in. And so we are converted. We are born again. And we become like that little child, like we read in Luke 18 and verse 17. So Jesus, take this heart of mine, make it pure and holy thine. Thou hast bled and died for me. I will henceforth live for thee. Aren't those some powerful words? And yet we, we just think about this is just children's song. And yet they're some of the most important statements of truth that we find in Scripture. Jesus, take this heart of mine, make it pure and holy thine. Interesting thing about grace. A lot of times people want to just focus on grace. You're saved by grace alone. Just God's grace. There's nothing for you to do. That just couldn't be further from what the Scriptures say. How do you know what you know spiritually? The Bible tells me so, like this song says. So it turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. People want to stop right there. See, the grace that brings salvation, well, it's appeared to everybody. Just need God's grace. But it doesn't stop there, does it? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. 
What, what a wonderful passage. It talks about God's grace, but it said God's grace teaches us the kind of people that we are to be. Make it pure and holy thine. Can, can we answer the question that our heart is being made pure and holy his and say, oh yeah, mine is? I hope so. This little children's song, that's what it's wanting. Look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us. I love that phrase. The love of Christ compels us. Jesus died for me. Thou hast bled and died for me. I will henceforth live for thee. The love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. I will henceforth live for thee. Can we do any less? Thinking about all Jesus has done for us. Can, can we do less and give him everything that we have? And the chorus says, yes. Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I have come again to, to appreciate more and more this song. And I think about the Bible tells me so. Paul said in Ephesians 3 and verse 4, he said, When you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That's what the Bible was meant to do, that, that it's been given to us. The Spirit has searched the deep things of God, been revealed to the apostles. They've written it down for us, and we can read it and understand it. Oh, some are more challenging than others, but we can, we can get there. By which when you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ. See, the Bible tells me so. Or Colossians 3 and verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Now, I like that this verse goes on to connect what we all, most all, love to do, and that's sing. But the, the context is, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I tell you, I, I can learn something. You put a tune to it, I can learn it better. Uh, there's a song that, that uh, people who... If we're around some, some setting and people say, well, let's, you know, let's sing. And uh, did you bring your guitar? And, you know, I say, oh, yeah, I got my guitar. Well, they always want me to do the Mississippi Squirrel Revival. There must be 10,000 words in that song. I don't even know. But I could learn it because it was set to a tune. Just like we sang that song before we started. Jesus loves me. This I know. You can sing it. Uh, there are many songs, there are many verses that we have memorized and didn't even know it because it's in a song. We just learned the song. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And then Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Jesus loves me, this I know. 
for the Bible tells me so. Let's let that word dwell in us richly. Now, I, I think the format this hour is questions and answers. Or So let's do that. Uh, you may have questions. I might not have answers, but we'll see. Does anybody have any co- or comments, uh, any, anything? I must have done really well. Uh, I'm not sure how this this hour usually ends, but but uh, that's that's what I had. I appreciate your good attention.